This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at trustmark.com slash PPP. Member FDIC. Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. What's an annuity? Are they all the same? Who needs one? We'll learn about these financial products from Nancy and Ryder, who can also take your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Nancy. Always like to start the show with financial news in the news. So what do you have for us? Well, good morning. I was just listening to the news at the top of the hour, and it is a reflection of what I wanted to talk about, which is rising prices. Procter & Gamble is saying they're going to raise their prices. We heard Coca-Cola is considering it because all their raw materials are going up. And along with that, we are seeing a very tight jobs market as things are cranking back up again. I'm seeing um, hiring signs everywhere, but we're still dealing with a period of enhanced unemployment. So those employers may have to pay more to entice people off of the sidelines. Uh, oil is also going up and is in about the $64 a barrel range right now. And so all of that means we may all be paying more for everything. So inflation is what we're looking at. So good morning, Ryder. What's been on your mind, financially speaking, this last week? Good morning. Um, so it's not strictly financial, but it's still the ongoing uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, this past weekend, I had the pleasure of talking with state um, health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs. It was at my high school reunion. I'm not going to tell you all which year, but uh, call in, and the first person who gets the closest wins a prize. Um, and that's a, that's a pat on the back. Um, so you know, he noted that it looks like you know we're at a third of the state has had. Um, had an infection, a COVID infection, be that a symptomatic or an asymptomatic one. Um, and it looks so there's some immunity there. You know, it's not perfect, but another third of the state is on track to be fully vaccinated soon. Um, we're getting close to a million people who have had at least one shot. Uh, cases are trailing off. So this is all very good. And I think the broader national data kind of looks similar. We may be a little behind on vaccinations and maybe a little ahead on something. But this is, I mean, this is all very good news. Uh, he did warn there's always a potential for another wave if, if the new variants um, are, are harder to um, harder to stop if they are not stopped by the vaccination. But this is, you know, this is what's been hanging over our heads for uh, more than a year now. And um, it very much looks like uh, the end is in sight for everything. And I know you know, that economically, we've been recovering a lot. Um, um, medically, we are recovering as well. And I think that's great news. So you weren't in the same graduating class, were you? The same graduating class as Dr. Dobbs? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, however, there was someone in my, so his connection to uh, my school, I went to the School for Math and Science in Columbus, and it 
he was he was in a residency with he did not go to the school but he he did a residency with one of the earlier graduates um, I will also not give there you know I'm not gonna not gonna expose his age either uh, here on public radio but um, he was in a he was in a residency with one of the graduates and that's they we had a little panel discussion with them and it was very uh, it was very enlightening okay and if you're trying to play the guests uh, writers graduating year hint, I think that the school for math and science maybe opened in the mid '80s, if I'm correct. So that's uh, yeah, I'm not that old. Well, no, Kevin. I didn't mean that. I just was saying, narrowed it down <laughs> just a little it bit. It is probably. <laughs> I have probably put my uh, year on the internet. It's fine. You can find it. Okay. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to be talking about annuities, but first we do have a question on the line. So why don't we take that first and say good morning to Henry calling in from Meridian. Henry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I uh, have a question regards to student loans. Uh, my wife has been paying hers ever since the uh, suspension, and we come to find out all the money she's been paying is going toward interest, not principal. She's on a pay-as-you-earn program. Is that supposed to be the way this thing is supposed to work? That doesn't sound quite right to me, Henry. Um, so I'm guessing if she's on a pay as you earn, it sounds like she is on a federal plan, uh, federal loans. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. So, yes, so there should be no new interest being charged on those loans. Um, now, a couple of things about the pay-as-you-earn. Sometimes the pay-as-you-earn, just in normal times, when we would be having interest charges and everything, the pay-as-you-earn does not necessarily even cover the entire amount of interest. However, on most pay-as-you-earn uh, loans, uh, most pay-as-you-earn uh, repayment plans, that's a repayment plan, they do not uh, capitalized so that interest doesn't keep earning interest after a certain amount. It could be that what they are saying is there is some there was some interest that was built up from before that wasn't getting paid. You know, maybe her pay as you earn was never enough to cover the interest costs, um, and those payments were being applied to interest that had accrued before the deferment of interest. But again, there should not, and this would be something you speak with your servicer about, there should not be any interest accrued on those loans since I can't remember what the start date for that was, but it was, it was about a year ago. And so, however, those her, her payments would go to old interest accrued, and that might be what they're talking about. Okay, because we put up her account and looked at it because the servicer said the payments were going toward her payment. We took it to be her principal. But when we looked at it, her principal was not changing. Yeah, all. that's 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 worrying. I mean, it it, it definitely should be. Um, I, I would seek an explanation there um, and, and and just a little just to back up for you know kind of general listeners a pay as you earn on student loans there are a number of kind of f fairly flexible uh, repayment programs and the pay as you earn it takes a, a percentage of your income instead of just a flat um, a, a flat dollar payment over the life of the loan. It takes a percentage of your in, uh, income. You have to, you know, you have to 
tell them what your income is every year. So it could be as well that, you know, especially if y'all lost income, uh, they were doing a smaller payment, which again may not have covered old interest. But uh, I, I would definitely, I would definitely look more into that. Um, and 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 just see exactly where your payments have gone. Um, what you know, the questions to ask us: What was my balance on the the first day where we did not have to pay interest? Where the first day no interest was accrued, and then okay. where did each payment get applied to? Because your 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 balance at the time had some principal and maybe some some old interest. You know, I, I don't know. This just depends on your situation. And the payment would have naturally been applied to old accrued interest first. But again, if you didn't have any accrued interest, then that's that's when it feels like someone, someone at the servicer has made a mistake there because they should not have been charging you interest. If they have been, you definitely need to, uh, to get on to them about that because it was a nationwide, very well-known thing that I wouldn't imagine you would have too much trouble if they have made a mistake. Um, but that's where I would start. Okay. Is there anyone outside of the student loan people that I can take the paperwork to and they can look at it and see if everything's legit or not legit? Well, if you work with a financial advisor, they can pretty easily kind of, you know, look at each statement uh, and, and kind of run numbers on that. Um, other folks who are kind of experts in the loan area, you know, if you have a good relationship with your banker, um, they are experts in loan area. You know, this isn't, obviously they don't, may not do student loans themselves, but they may be able to uh, have a, it, 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 I would not imagine it is that, that it's something that takes a long time to get to the bottom of. Um, okay. I mean, again, your statement should have every, inth, uh, every payment you have made on it. It would have every, uh, every time when they charged interest to you on it. So it shouldn't be something that is difficult to f get to the bottom of. So okay. I would think that uh, a, a banker or a financial advisor you already work with uh, would be more than capable of looking at that. Okay, then I'll pursue that option before I go back to the uh, student loan people. Absolutely, absolutely, Henry. I really hope that uh, that they uh, you figure that out, and uh, I hope you end up owing a whole lot less. <laughs> she should. She's been paying. Yeah, I know, I know. Ever since you mentioned spending, she's been paying. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks a million. Absolutely. Thank you, Henry, right. for your phone call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. You can email questions for our experts to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about annuities. Do you have questions about IRAs? We'll tell you more about that. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Speaking of past Money Talks broadcasts, if you want to go back and learn more about IRAs, individual retirement accounts, look for the April 9th. 2019 Money Talks podcast. Our topic today is annuities. Nancy, let's start out simply. What is an annuity? In the study of finance, the word annuity strictly means a stream of constant payments. But that word has been taken over by the insurance industry. And so for the general public out there, when you hear the word annuity, you're thinking of an insurance product. Okay. Uh, so, Ryder, do you get uh, an annuity from an insurance agent? Yes. Insurance companies issue annuities. They are an insurance product, so typically someone who would do the sort of life insurance, that type, not necessarily your car insurance guy, but life insurance, whole life, uh, and annuities are very similar products. And it, it's an insurance product because you know, the value of it and, and the calculations are based off of these big, broad, general uh, expectations of life, uh, life expectancy. All right. So, Nancy, uh, do you acquire annuity all in one lump sum or over many payments? Well, you can do it either way. And because we're talking now about the insurance product, bear in mind that these are contracts, and every contract is different. So you can have a lump sum where you just put a certain amount of money in, and based on that, they're calculating what they will pay you at some point in the future, or you may um, be adding to it on a regular basis until you are then ready to uh, then start getting money back from that annuity. And so once you begin contributing to an annuity, are, is it uh, set in stone? Are you locked in or is it somewhat flexible? Well, it, you're pretty much locked in based on how that annuity works. And again, it is going to be a contract, so you need to read the contract, make sure you understand what kind of annuity you have, how it works, what are the limitations, what happens if you take your money too early. The biggest problem we see with annuities is your money is not very accessible. You just can't take it out anytime you want. And uh, would the contract ever call for uh, an adjustable rate of return in an annuity? Sure. Um, some annuities 
have a fixed rate, and we call those fixed annuities, they may uh, fix that rate one time a year based on what the underlying assets are earning. They may fix it every five years. Again, you look at your contract to see how that works. Another type of new annuity is a variable annuity, and that rate is going to vary depending on the, the underlying funds and what they're earning, just like if you invest in the stock market. Sometimes it earns 12 percent, and sometimes it earns 2 percent. We are talking about annuities on Money Talks this morning, and it looks like we have a caller who has a question about that. So let's say good morning to Richard in Maven. Richard, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hello. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a man on here from the, uh, some financial advisor uh, talking about how great annuities were. And I just wanted to ask, uh, I asked him this question, and he couldn't answer it. Uh, what regulatory changes or financial industry changes have suddenly made annuities a good investment? I've been, heard, been told ever since I was 25, and I'm 70-something now, uh, that annuities were bad investments. Stay away from annuities. I would say yeah. that probably still holds. With some exceptions. <laughs> um, I understand that, again, these are insurance products, so they're going to be under the regulation of each state where those are issued. And um, the problem that we see with annuities, not that annuities, annuities within and of themselves are terrible, it's just that they really only fit a small part of the population. And yet we see a broad group of people buying into annuities because they're just hooked into this idea of, oh, my money's guaranteed, and uh, they don't understand that they're locking it in and they're facing all kinds of issues uh, concerning surrender periods, higher expenses, higher commissions. That's where it becomes a bad product or a bad investment. If I have somebody who has a very high income tax bracket and they have maxed out all of their retirement options elsewhere, they can take a big chunk of money and put it in to a product and leave it there for a long period of time without touching it because they have other money elsewhere and uh, they need to shelter the growth from taxes. Okay, that might fit an annuity. But I see a lot of older retired people who don't have a lot of assets outside of this annuity locking all of their money in, and that limits what can happen when they have some big events. Most often than not, that's going to be a big health event, and then they have trouble getting to their money. That's why it can be a bad investment. Ryder, do you have any thoughts, Ryder? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, kind of uh, agree with Richard's uh, previous line of thinking that, yeah, most annuities, the annuity, the product are, they are not necessarily appropriate for most people. I, I generally speaking, do not think they're very good. Uh, they're not a good product for investment. If you want to invest, you can just open up an account and invest. Uh, they typically will have very high fees, very complicated features, which make them inappropriate for a lot of folks. Uh, like Nancy said, there are some cases, uh, and I would, could think of a few other cases, that are decent ideas uh, for using an annuity. Uh, it is a tool uh, that could be used. Uh, one change, I will say, just a regulatory, a legal change that has made, may have made annuities slightly more attractive or potentially just been 
an aspect that someone can use to sell an annuity is that recent changes in how IRAs are inherited uh, has made them a little less attractive as non-spouse inheritors uh, must withdraw that money in 10 years. If you are looking to pass money on uh, in a kind of tax-efficient manner and still allow someone to withdraw over their lifetime, an annuity may be a decent tool for that. Uh, but that's if you want to look at just a, a recent regulatory change there. All right, Richard, thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We are talking about annuities this morning, and if you have a question about an annuity or a personal finance question that you need answered, you can email money at mpbonline.org. Nancy, can you set up an annuity for someone else? Well, you you could um, because you can have the owner of the annuity versus the beneficiary of the annuity. So, yes, that's possible. Uh, Ryder, what are some variables to consider when selecting an annuity, things to keep in mind? So I think the most important thing when you're, you know, asking yourself, do I need an annuity, is what is the annuity going to do that a prudently invested account cannot do? Um, so Nancy discussed, you know, there are fixed ones which just earn a fixed rate of interest. There are ones which have a, an interest rate which is determined by some market action. You know, maybe it's, oh, we will give you half of the S&P 500 growth, but we'll never go below zero. Uh, and then there are ones which are just simply, okay, well, you are going to be exposed to the movements of this fund. They can go up and they can go down. Um, so, you know, particularly that of variable annuity, there are uh, not many advantages over just a prudently invested account. Uh, it's just layering on um, yeah, the, the insurance wrapper costs money to put on. Uh, there are fees involved in that, and there's complications involved in that, uh, which you know might make it less attractive. Um, so some people may really, really, truly desire the in, uh, income feature of a fixed annuity. So, you know, I have heard of folks who, you know, maybe they do not have a consistent income. They don't have a good way to do uh, long-term savings. So, you know, they would put a, a, a lump sum into an annuity from time to time uh, to, to lock it up and keep it out of their hands. Uh, so that long lockup, which we can talk about is, you know, it's, it's, it's a disadvantage sometimes. Sometimes people do want that long lockup to kind of keep them from accessing that. Um, also, there are some aspects of tax planning and estate planning that an annuity can help address. Um, again, I would make sure that it's not something that can't be addressed better elsewhere. And I just want to, you know, because again, you know, you hear us talk about annuities. Most of the time, we are very you know, negative on the product. Um, a lot of the products out there, they're they are too complicated and too expensive uh, to be appropriate for most people. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about annuities today, and looks like we've got another annuity question on the line. This time, let's say good morning to John and Meridian. Go ahead, John. You're on the air with us. Yes, uh, I wanted to ask, of course, I don't know whether if you already elaborated on it, about the index fixed annuities. Um, now, 
Are they, how they, are they, do they look bad? Uh, uh, is, is, is that a good investment? And if not so, what, what, what is a good investment? Because uh, I was thinking annuities, if the fix, uh, uh, annuities was a pretty good investment. I was thinking it was anyway. But yeah, can you elaborate <laughs> on that? Yes, John, that is a fantastic question. So I'm going to dive a little more into what an index fixed annuity is. And just to be clear on the front end, an index fixed annuities is quite possibly one of the most complicated products, even within the annuity line which is already complicated. I have read through contracts which are very, 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 very long, um, and I have kind of modeled out expectations for these, and it is not great. Um, so an index fixed annuity is, a fixed annuity is, we will pay you 3%. We may change that every, you know, we have the right to change that number every year, but we're just gonna pick a number and that's what you get this year. That's what a fixed annuity is. A fully variable annuity is you put money in, you choose a couple of mutual funds and you will get the performance of those mutual funds minus, you know, whatever layers of fees we have. An index fixed annuity is somewhere in between there. It says, something to the effect, I've, I've seen many, many, many different ones, but an example might be, you will receive the return of the S&P 500 minus 2%, but your minimum return will be 1%. I have seen them where they take two different indexes and you get the lesser of one plus a number, but it can't be over 10, and it can't be under three. So they can have they can have caps to them. They can say, oh, you will get two thirds of the return of this index. They can say, oh, here is your minimum. Here is your maximum. Here are multiple reference indexes, and they can change any of those numbers. It, you know, they may have you know every year we will reset. You know, what is your percent participation rate in this? So if you one year you you, you when the year you bought it, they said we're going to give you ninety percent of the S and P five hundred return. Well, maybe the next year they only give you seventy percent of the S and P five hundred return. Uh, but maybe they change the cap. Maybe they say, but you can earn up to eight percent. Maybe they say maybe you're never going to earn less than zero percent. So those are index fixed annuities. Again, I've tried to keep this very complicated product very simple, but they, uh, that's going to be hard to do. So well, I, I do not say, think these are good. What? Uh, I would just say that uh, what we find when we look at these index annuities, they are sold to someone because they want to participate in the market, but they don't want the downside. And when you start to dive into the fine print, what you find in most cases is the insurance company is protecting themselves from the upside. And so you don't really get to participate fully in market returns, and you have huge limitations on it, uh, and it's just not worth it. That's correct. If you, if you look at these and kind of compare them to how just a, a market portfolio might have performed, they are, they are very poor investments, um, particularly for anyone who is a long-term investor. You know, we say it all the time. I don't know what the market will do 
in a day, week, month, year, couple of years. It could go down, it could go up, it could be up a lot, it could be down a lot. But over the long term, historically, the market has had great returns. There's not, I believe it's at about a 15, 16 year period. There are no periods of that length, uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 years, where the market has been down. So again, if you are a long term investor, you don't need to pay somebody to guarantee you're not going to be down. Uh, because that cost, that is, it is expensive to pay someone for that guarantee, and that guarantee is what's going to eat up all of your money. Okay. All right, John. Thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio and Ryder. If that was the simple explanation, I would agree with you that they seem to be extremely complicated uh, financial uh, vehicles. That's for sure. We're discussing annuities today on Money Talks. Where can you learn about the S&P 500? We'll have that for you next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. I'd like to point out another podcast that you might be interested in if you want to learn about the S&P 500, what it is, what it includes, and to learn about index funds. Go back to the September 8, 2020 podcast of Money Talks. Go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org, or you can get our podcasts from your favorite podcasting app, and also you can download the public media app for your phone to access past shows that way. Got a couple of callers on the line, so let's begin again by talking to Angie in Mobile. Good morning, Angie. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. 
Um, I was calling because I am basically a low-wage worker. I'm a caretaker. And in the past, I really hadn't had any money to invest because I had a family. But now my kids are all grown and um, in college now. And so I have a little bit more free income. But I don't know anything about investing. I've been on Robin Hood lately. So I was just really wanting to know what can a a low wage earner like myself, what what can I in safely invest in without a lot of fees? Angie, how old are you? Forty. Okay, so if you're 40 years old, you still have a long time to earn, and that time is going to be on your side. So I would say you just need to get started, and the best thing you can do is to figure out how much every month can you live without. Um, and I always tell people to come up with a number that pinches you just a little bit because you, you'll get used to it and start to save. Once you figure out that amount, then you need to look at something that's going to be a longer-term investment. I would encourage you to look at Vanguard and look at their mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. They have a mutual fund called the 500 Index Fund, which would probably be a good choice for you at least to get started. It is not going to be what you say safe totally because it is stocks and the stock market does fluctuate, but it's going to be the big 500 companies in the U.S. They are more financially stable and they're going to give you the most growth. And if you're looking at this, I need to save and really get going on this over the next 20 to 25 years. That's where you'll get your most earnings. And I'll reference what Ryder just said previously about we're not sure what the market's going to do tomorrow or next month or next year, but over a longer period of time, that's where you'll get your growth. So just get started. If you can do it on a monthly basis and set up a, a draft, a bank draft, so that automatically goes in and purchases more shares, you'll be amazed at how quickly that builds for you. Okay. What do you think about the Robin Hood? Is that something I should kind of keep investing in or just focus purely on the Vanguard? Ryder, jump I in on Robin Hood. Yeah, so Robinhood is just a broker. That is just a place where you can open up an account. You can purchase Vanguard funds through Robinhood. Uh, if you if you like the Robinhood, you know they are an app-based broker. If you like them and that's going to keep you investing and interested in it, then I'm all for it. You know I do have some cautions about Robinhood for people who are encouraged to over trade or purchase, you know, individual stocks which may not. Ne they may not necessarily be keeping track of very well, but Robinhood itself is just a broker, and you can buy index funds through them. You can buy Vanguard funds through them. They are getting better at their offerings of edu you know, educational offerings for folks. So, you know, that's something to look into as well. They're just a much newer broker. They're much less uh, experienced broker. So there are, you know, they have had issues in the past, but you can use them to buy the Vanguard index funds just fine. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. And I'm going to go back to that September 8th podcast and try to find out about the index funds because I also heard that that was something good to buy. Well, good luck. Just Absolutely. get started. That's what you need to do. Well, thank you guys. Have a blessed day. Thanks. Thanks. 
Angie, for your phone call. Uh, Nancy, a quick follow-up, but why do you think um, a mutual fund is, is a good way for someone who's trying to dip their toe in investing to start? Well, you're not trying to pick one stock over another stock. And uh, if you just have one or two stocks and they do great, you look great. And if they don't do well, you look terrible. But instead, what you want to do is do what we call buying the market. And you just want to grow with the whole market return. And you can do that through these mutual funds that have give all kinds of flavors. I mentioned the S&P 500. That's big U.S. companies. You can buy mutual funds that focus on medium-sized companies, smaller companies, international companies. You can buy mutual funds that focus on bonds or real estate. Um, but having a collection of securities means you have instant diversity, and that gives you some protection against the volatility or the fluctuations of the stock market. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, another caller on the line, and I think it's Cherie who's called in from Tupelo. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I have a mortgage for 14 years, and I'm really interested in getting it paid off as soon as possible, like in the next six years. And I went to the mortgage calculator, and I know how much I need to pay extra to do that, but I don't know if I should make one lump sum payment a month. Should I break it up in two payments in addition to the mortgage, or how should I go about uh, making my payments, my extra payments, to get the mortgage paid off the quickest? Well, the payoff that was calculated, if you went to a mortgage calculator, probably has something in there that says how you're going to make this payment. And most of the time, it's monthly. Um, and if you tried to do something different than that, for instance, you decided, I'm just going to do this one time of year, then that can change that calculation somewhat. I would encourage you, I encourage everybody to get a financial calculator and learn how to use it. We all need to learn how to use that so we can figure out how much we need to pay extra and on what at what rate we need to make those payments in order to get where you want to go. So that will help you figure that out. But go back to that mortgage calculator and see what the um, what it's set up as far as its uh, assumptions in making that calculation. And I would okay. just add to that, that, the way you get the extra money in there doesn't so much matter as much. You know, I know a lot of people are big advocates of splitting up a payment, doing two payments a month. Um, I would just say, you know, it kind of depends on what your what your income situation is and where the money is coming from. If you just have a ton of money set aside in a savings account and that's what's kind of motivating you to get this thing paid off, then just do a lump sum payment maybe just once a year just to kind of help knock it down real hard. Uh, if you've recently just moved to, you know, you, your income is much higher than it was 14 years ago when you started and you're thinking, okay, well, I can just pay more every month. There's no need to make it too much more complicated, trying to game, oh, if I do this every two weeks. It, it's not going to make a significant difference when you start paying it aggressively. Okay, and should my extra payments, it should go towards the principal, is that correct? Yes, it should. Yes. And make sure that when you make those payments, I don't know if you're doing it by check or if you're doing it electronically. Online. Yes, online. Online. Mm -hmm. make, make sure that there's a notation somewhere that you are requesting this go-to principal. So I can do one payment with the principal and just the extra amount, the extra thousand or whatever should just go to principal. 
Well, it should. But again, once you've made those payments, and I've done this before, where you go, you need to go back and look at your mortgage statement to make sure they have been applied correctly. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All okay. right. Good to hear from Have you. Thanks for your call. Uh, let's take one more call before our next break, and we'll talk to Wes in Oxford. Good morning, Wes. Go ahead, please. Hey, uh, just double-checking. Can you guys hear me? I had to switch to headphones. We're good. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've been a couple months away from the whole Wall Street bets, uh, GameStop, AMC, stock craziness, and I just wanted to hear from the host if they have any speculation on maybe some legislation that might be coming out regarding changes to the market uh, that we might see from that. Just you know, just curious to see what a professional might think about what's going to change because of that. Um, yeah, so you're right. That was a very interesting time. Uh, some of the interesting things that have happened since then, uh, GameStop is still at, uh, or what was recently, uh, still at around $200, and they finally announced a capital raise. Very proud of them for taking advantage of their very high stock price. Obviously, people couldn't get enough of their stock, so they may as well uh, give the people what they want and sell some more stock. Um, I don't know about uh, kind of legislative level things. I think there has been some talk about different ways of calculating, because uh, a lot of the issues that came when Robinhood, the broker we discussed earlier, when they were canceling trades or preventing people from buying uh, new shares of GameStop, it was largely, it largely appeared to be an issue with the collateral they had to post with the uh, clearing firms uh, with the DTCC. And so there are potentially different ways they could calculate that. I don't know if, if that's going to change the way of calculation, but that is a, a systemic thing where all brokers are kind of putting in this pool of capital to make sure that the markets continue uh, to operate well. One of the very positive aspects I see, not necessarily out of the GameStop and AMC in particular, those particular stocks, but uh, one of the very large aspect, uh, positive aspects we've seen is that more people have gotten uh, involved in the stock market. More people have opened up brokerage accounts. Younger people, uh, folks who typically, uh, traditionally, did not have um, as much access to the markets. And that is one thing I've, I have said about Robinhood before. I do appreciate that they did help get more people better access to the markets. I, I think, you know, all of the major brokerages have copied most of their innovations now, so I don't know how much, you know, value they still have there. But they did bring a lot more people to the markets. And the point of the markets, as I say all the time, is to bring to, to, to have the most people come because markets work most efficiently when as many people as possible can be getting in there and buying and selling and helping set those prices. Uh, so that's 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 some positive things I see coming out of it, but not necessarily regulatory or legislative. All right, Wes, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about annuities today, and if you're new to investing, uh, we've got some information for you that will help you get started. We'll have that next. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Hi, it's Rachel Martin with NPR's Morning Edition. People have stories about their car, that long summertime family road trip, that hand-me-down first car they got when they turned 16, the first car they bought on their own. And cars can generate other kinds of stories, like the kind you hear on this station. When you donate a vehicle to this station, the proceeds bring you stories from around the world. Here's how to get started. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. We're pleased you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Remember, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. That's immediately following our show. One other podcast to recommend, the investing-related, the baby steps of investing. We talked about that on January 19, 2021. So look for that date if you're just starting in investment. So, Ryder, some colleges are now suggesting that alumni make an immediate annuity. The ex-student receives a lifetime distribution with the principal retained by the college as a donation. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing to me. I'm a big fan of folks who do want to give uh, to their schools, give to charities, et cetera. Um, this is often called, uh, well, I don't know if this is a different product or a product version of what is often called a charitable remainder trust, uh, which is like that. I, it, someone will give a very large lump sum so they can capture the tax deduction in that year. They will continue to live out of that trust, and when they die, it just becomes the property of the university. This is kind of the inverse of what a lot of organizations do, which is, you know, try to get people to give money to them in their will. Uh, it's it's a kind of a way of getting a little more upfront money, a little more upfront calculation there. So I, I'm, I haven't heard of that specifically as a product, but the concept and, and the fact that people have been doing things like that is not new. I will say this is typically for folks who are m much older, I mean, typically to annuitize something and start taking the income from it, the insurance company who is uh, kind of administering that, they would prefer you be older because, you know, it gets a little more, a little, as you get older, it gets a little more certainty about your life expectancy and it becomes shorter. And that is typically also for a lot more money. You know, if you're, even if you're giving a significant amount of money to charities, you're probably not you're probably still not in the range of, of giving in this manner. Uh, Nancy, how have annuities changed recently due to the SECURE Act, setting every community up for retirement enhancement? Well, I'm thinking, a writer, jump in if I'm, I'm not correct on this one, because of the change in inherited IRAs, which you mentioned before, that now we are facing, uh, if you are not a spouse, if you are a spouse and you inherit an IRA, you take it as your own. It's as if it's been your own the entire time. If you are not a spouse, then you're required to withdraw that money over a 10-year period. And the way that annuity is a different one, and Ryder mentioned this earlier, that allows you to stretch that out over a 
long period of time. And the advantage of that is you don't have those bigger tax bills that may hit with a compressed time period. Yes, and I would add, I'm not sure if this was the SECURE Act, but some recent changes have made annuities within 401ks a slightly more attractive option. Previously, just the regulation around them was a little more strict, uh, whether they were allowed within the plan or if you were allowed to annuitize the plan. So I just believe kind of getting rid of some of those regulations has made that uh, easier for insurance companies to offer. I'm not necessarily a big fan of this, but it is a good point. You know, we talk about pensions versus 401ks a lot and for folks who you know don't have a pension available to them anymore their 401k is what they've got and for some folks that might be a very attractive option in that you can save uh, you know throughout your working career and hopefully let it grow with the market but have that income when you retire all right, we've come to the end of another show. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. Our call screener today was Lisa Lancaster. For Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at Trustmark.com slash PPP. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 